Abba Yahweh, a new day. Your breath in my lungs to walk this day. Teach me, show me, love me. Thank you, Father God, for this opportunity to be your conduit yet again. Abba Yahweh, Aman, Yeshua, Aman, Paraklitos, Aman. So, an early rising, the, some thoughts going on in my head. And the Holy Spirit roused me to uh, this opportunity. And I'm going to share some things with you because um, I, I, it's an important issue, very important issue. And I've shared with you that I really, really like these, um, a lot of these young contemporary Christian artists. Um, I love the old hymns. I love the old church songs. I was raised in the church and I like the old stuff, but I like some of these things that I'm, I'm hearing. Um, well, most all of it. Um, there's some that I don't um, appreciate so much. I think it's too... Too rock and roll. And I don't know, I just, I'm old school. But anyway, um, I bring this up because a lot of these songs I've shared with you, I've, I've shared with you the particular artists um, and shared with you actually the um, songs they sing and what they are is I have um, I have some of these artists and I really, right, really, really like, like them, uh, Tasha Layton, and, and, and I'm going to remind you too, I'm not getting sponsored, I'm not making commercials for these individuals, and I'm not, this is not about, it's about the person and the words that they sing, this isn't about my uh, sponsoring them and doing commercials for them, if you take it that way, that's up to you. But that's not what I'm doing. What I'm doing is I'm sharing with you this truth as they present it. And it's really, it's pretty awesome. So, um, you have a group, uh, where did we go here? Oh, lost them. And there's a group, uh, they call they're called the Newsboys, and they sing a song. I mean, I get I'm I'm brought to tears every time when I hear this, and I just think about my Lord, my God, and they they're singing about He reigns, and that the people are singing glory, hallelujah, to His name, and over the plains and the fields that that the powers of darkness and those the negativity and those they. Nothing that they're saying can be heard because of the hallelujahs that are being raised and glorifying God. And then even those, and there's even a verse in there and it's really something the Holy Spirit opened this, my eyes up to this. I, I was kind of trying to figure it out and thinking with my mind and then I just let it go and the Holy Spirit opened it up. They're talking about those who are have already gone to sleep and laid to rest who are true believers and they're even hearing the song and the the glory of his reign and that he does reign and 
I love these. I love these songs. And uh, need to breathe. Um, they sing that song. Uh, the one I'm gonna. This is this is. Lauren Daigle sings "Rescue," and then we have Tasha Layton, I believe, is that one that sings "Look What You've Done." Yep, there it is, Tasha Layton. And then Lauren Daigle's got another one that she sings, um, "You Say." And listening to the lyrics, and in particular this this last song. Um, that I was listening to and it's by the uh, well where'd it go sorry I just went by it again I've got my library flipping through here and I went right by it Oh, there it is. I was looking right at it. Sorry about that. I, I'm an old guy. Give me a break. <laughs> but I bring this up because this is exactly what the devil loves to have us do. And we do this. And I've shared with you the import of this is that our mind is a, is a, is a point of attack that the devil comes to all the time. Why is that? Well, any good tactician is going to attack the weakest point, the weakest link in any perimeter or any armor. He's going to attack that weak point all the time. And when I was in the military and, and places that we used to see this all the time, they'd, they'd have what they call the probing attacks. And then they'd find that weak spot and then they just, then they'd hammer it home. The devil does the same thing. He's a very, he's a brilliant tactician. And, and I'm going to rebuke now those individuals because I know there are those out there. I already had it done. I'm not glorifying the devil by any way, shape, or form. So I rebuke that now. What I am telling you and warning you is that we have a very powerful enemy and he's a brilliant tactician. However, we have also been given authority by our Lord Jesus Christ in Luke 10. I've shared this with you when he tells us that he saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven and he gives us the power and authority to step on the heads of the serpents and on the scorpions and even to face, even to face down the power of the enemy himself and come to no harm. Our Lord Jesus Christ gives us that authority. We have that authority. So whatever the devil thought process has gone and he's got you believing certain things, remember, he is a liar. He's a condemner. He doesn't ever tell the truth. He will never tell you the truth. And he's going to get you to do what he wants you to do some way, shape, or form. And it doesn't matter what your intellectual prowess is. He's going to get you, and he's going to do so with mind games. And they're pretty powerful. But I'm going to share this with you anyway. And these are the words, this is, uh, this is from that group called uh, Need to Breathe. This is, who am I? So he's singing because he's making a declaration that, who am I? 
Who am I that I should be loved by you? White lies and desperation. Remember, I've shared this with you. That's really kind of a, a lie is a lie, period. But what he's trying to do is he's, he's the, the, the singer is showing you what the thought process is, that the, the white lies, and then you become desperate. You get in hard times, the conversations, and no one, no one should ever love me like you do. How do you love me? And the devil's got him looking and self-loathing. My bad decisions, my false suspicions, nobody should love me like you do. And while I'm on this road, you take my hand and you love, you really love who I really am. And the Bible tells us in a number of places that God loves us no matter what. He knows that we are not perfect. He wants our bruises. He wants our scars. He knows what we are. He knows how we are. He knows the character of our heart. And remember, I've shared this a bunch of times with you and probably do it a whole lot more. God is a respecter of no man and no woman for what you possess, properties you have, money you have, clothing you wear. He doesn't care about any of that. What he cares about, and he doesn't care about the tone nation of your skin. What he cares about is the character of your heart. So all those naysayers and those doom and gloomers and those folks out there running around with all this hearsay stuff and, and making declarations of things that they don't have factual knowledge of and they don't know of, but just they're jumping on a bandwagon and they're picking up the drumsticks and or the cymbals and they're making noise and they just are becoming a, a, a part of the cacophony and they're not making any sense because what they're saying in the declaration that they're making is untrue. And brothers and sisters, you have to understand this. God is truth and God is straight up. And what I'm, I'm sharing these particular individuals <clears throat> and the reason I do this and this song in particular brought this to light here and then I'm going to go back to the uh, the others and Travis Cottrell sings a song called Glorious Day and Part of the verses in that is that he was breathing, but he wasn't alive. And all the things that he was, I was buried beneath my shame. And who could, who could possibly carry that kind of weight? And that was my tomb until I met you. I was breathing, but not alive. All my failures, I tried to hide. It was my tomb until I met you. You called my name and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness into your glorious day. Brothers and sisters, 
That is who we are. I know who I am. I know who I am. And I'm telling you that you need to know who you are. You need to know Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, Abba Yahweh, Heavenly Father, maker of all things made. That's what his name means. Abba, Father, Papa, Yahweh, maker of all things made. That's who he is. That was his first permissive name that he gave us. Now, the devil loves to get us caught up in these uh, attitudinal things that we got going on. But you remember, think on this, think on it. When you ever start second guessing yourself and you start really pouring out and then you got the uh, oh, woe is me's going on. What is that about? Self-condemnation. Self-degradation. Self-doubt, self-blame. All those things come from one place and one place only. The enemy the liar, prince of the air, the prince of this world. But we also have to remember that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. They call Satan the prince of the earth. He's got this, this is his broken kingdom because this is where his pride brought him to. And he is so upset and so obsessed with keeping us from that gift that God gives us freely. This isn't anything, you think that we earned salvation. We think that we earned the fact that Jesus Christ came from the kingdom of heaven and came down here and that uh, he got put on that cross and had those spikes driven through his feet and through his hands to hold him up there. And see, he was crucified different than any other person. Crucifixion was not a good thing and people were tied and their feet were on platforms and so that they would stay out there and they would push their weight of their body up so they could breathe and they tried to escape. This is a self-preservation thing that happens and it was actually a torture Torture, and the Romans liked to do this and they'd have these people out there and they were sometimes crucified to death but they weren't crucified the same way Jesus was. And it was different. They had the platforms and they were tied up on the cross. Jesus was nailed to the cross. And they didn't come by and take his life. His life was already given. He gave his life for you and for me. He was thinking about me when he came. He was thinking about you when he came. And still, he climbed that hill, Golgotha, place of the skull. And there's an old song that I remember when I was um, a young person. And I love it. It used to make me cry when I think about it. And we had these ladies who sang and actually invited my mom. My mother had a beautiful voice. 
But they had this little click thing going on, but they broke that down and they invited my mom to sing with them. And it was really awesome. And man, I wept on that day. <laughs> um, twofold reason because of the song and the other one that my mom was singing with him. And she, she loved the song as well. He could have called. He could have called 10,000 angels. And it's like when Satan was trying to tempt Jesus in the wilderness after he'd already fasted for 40 days and Satan thought he had him weak. But Jesus kept reaching into the armory and pulling out the sword and fending off the parries of the devil. And he could have called 10,000 angels. So Father, we're not going to do this. We're going to do it a different way. We're going we're to wipe it out and we're going to clean it up and we can start over. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. He could have, but he didn't. Instead, he was taken, and even Pontius Pilate three times. I, I just, I get this uh, thought process going about the threes. Peter denied him three times. Jesus met them on the beach and asked Peter three times if he loved him. And three times he told him to take care of the sheep, feed the sheep, take care of them. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, the Holy Trinity. Pontius Pilate, three times he asked Jesus. Three times he went to the Pharisees and those vicious and vile creatures that they, that they are who had paid members in the crowd, who had paid Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus, but thinking that they had, the agenda was theirs. Three times Pontius Pilate asked, and three times he returned and he told them, he said, I find no guile in this man. Guile. No untruth, no lies, no deception, no attempt at trying to get out of what was happening by lying. Jesus told the truth each time he was asked. Three times asked, three times truth, and three times Pontius Pilate went to them and said, he is not guilty. I find no reason that we would crucify him. You want the Romans to crucify him according to the law. According to our law, there is no reason for us to take him and crucify him. If you want to crucify him, you crucify him. And then that's when 
Pilate washed his hands in the basin, and people make a big deal of that and, and things, but they, they don't read everything contextually. He washed his hands of that because he had already found him innocent. And it wasn't that he was turning his back on him. Actually, Pilate was listening to his wife <laughs> who had been listening to Jesus and he didn't even know it, but she'd been listening to his teaching and hiding out. So he washed his hands of this and says, I, I'm not going to do this. He says, the only thing that we're going to do is, as your regent and your governor for this area, it says, I'll have my guys, they'll, they'll take him in back and they'll, they'll rough him up. That's all we're going to do. And they did. And those... Romans that were back there, they they relished that a little too much. And, and I sh I've shared with you before, and if you look historically and you look and you read in the Bible and you read the description of what took place, and I, I've shared with you also, um, some of you may have heard it, not some of you may not, so I'm going to do so again, is that my brother would lead our Bible study when I was... Um, in the youth group in high school age. And um, one of his acquaintances was a physician. And that physician wrote a paper and went through and historically went back and studied Roman crucifixion. And studied what they had done to Jesus. And I'm going to tie this all into this self-degradation and all that stuff. You'll, you'll understand this. So, he was beaten so severely and the instruments of torture and pain that the Romans used were tearing flesh from his bone. They were, they were tearing the sinews that were attached to his bones away from the bones. And they beat him so severely that Jesus could barely see. He could barely walk. And he had to get help going up Golgotha and even to get to where they were going to put him to death. They had to have help. Because he couldn't. And here's how a whole bunch of people get all sorts of confused. They, they're, they're taking things out of context and they're not understanding or reading the word. Jesus Christ came to this plane of existence holy as a man. He was completely a man. Heavenly virtues he had left He didn't come glorified. He came as a sacrificial lamb. There were things that he was still permitted to do and things that he did through his father, our father, our heavenly father. But he didn't come glorified. He came humbly as a sacrificial lamb. 
And so when he went to Calvary and he was placed in the cross and the way they did it, I told you, it was different for him. He gave his life. He was in charge of his spirit leaving his body when it was done and completed. They didn't come, and as was customary in those days in crucifixions, that the Romans would come, and that platform that I shared earlier with you is how they would push themselves up so they could continue breathing. Jesus didn't have one. His feet were nailed to the cross. And when the individuals who were being crucified, when it was time, the Roman soldiers would come and they had a heavy, their spear was made such that the point of the shaft was, was heavily wrapped and it was a very stout spear shaft and they would strike the bones and the legs and break them so that they had no means to push themselves up and continue breathing. And ultimately they would be up there in this torturous agony, hanging on the cross and no water. They would bring them uh, gall, which is a, essentially it was wine and it turned to vinegar. Wasn't even anything worth putting in their mouth to, to quench thirst. And they were just left up there basically to cook in the weather and, and to, uh, succumb and some would die but the Roman soldiers would come and they would break their legs to make sure that they had had indeed were dead when they came to Jesus as in the days of old in the pages of the prophets he had given up the ghost there was no reason for them to break his bones, and they did not. They had done bad enough when they were beating him. So they didn't break the bones in his legs. The soldier did pierce his side with a spear, and the fluid came out. And they knew that he was dead. So, the question, who am I to be loved by you this way? I'll tell you who I am and I'll tell you who you are. If you are a true believer, if you are not a label head, you're not a self-proclaimed Christian, but you're one who absolutely believes that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God and that he came for you as he did for me. Because here's what I tell you, and I'll tell you again and again and again and again and again until I have my last breath in my lungs. He was thinking about me when he came here. And you can take this and make it a personal thing for you as well. And you tell anybody else, he came for me. He was thinking about me when he came here to die on the cross and be crucified. He was thinking about me. That's my personal relationship with him.
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Jesus Christ stepped off the throne in the kingdom of heaven. And that heavenly realm didn't have to do it. But he said, I'll go. I'll go and I'll do it because I know this creation that we love, we we made and we don't want to do again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And if you choose not to, then you condemn yourself. So that pervert that stands up on the stage and just like the pervert that was declaring the controversy in the Bible because God contradicts himself in the book, the Bible, his guidebook, his roadmap, his instruction book that God contradicts himself. That pervert will also have something to answer to. The pervert that said that John 3.16 is wrong and God was trying to blackmail us or force us or coerce us into believing didn't read the contextual body of that short letter God sent to us through John. And that says that if you believe, you're okay. And if you choose, yes, I draw that out and I make an emphasis. If you choose not to believe, then you condemn yourself. And if you choose to believe, then you will live and live life abundantly and you will see the kingdom of heaven. Just stay focused. And everything about the thing that God gave us is a choice. Everything about what we do is about choice. We were given a free will choice to believe. Those individuals had a choice to either believe what Noah was trying to teach them and tell them and repent, but they chose not to. They chose to have fun at his expense, to make fun of the old guy building a big old boat out here. There's no, there's no lake, there's no pond, there's no ocean, there's no stream. Where's this boat gonna go? He's building this massive structure. It took them 120 years to build it, but they chose to make fun of him instead. They chose to ridicule him. They chose to live this life that they were living. And they were doing so, and they thought that it was at his expense, but indeed it was at theirs. Because when Noah and his family went in and all the animals were secured, God put his hand on the doorway of that ramp and sealed that door and the rains came down and the floods came up. And they came wailing and screaming, hey Noah, we're sorry, we didn't mean to make fun of you and your God, we, we changed our mind, we, we wanna repent now. And too late. You had the opportunity for 120 years. I kept giving you the opportunity. But the decision was, God, God sealed us in here now. God 
shield us in, God shut the door, and no man can open. You were given the opportunity time and time and time again. When Jesus came for me, came for you, he gave them every opportunity. But the pharisaical tyrants who were complaining against the Romans to the people and claiming their persecution, but um, I really love, I love the program that I'm actually, and I prayed over this. I tried the spirit of this thing and find it to be truth. There's a lot of people that are negative about it. But anyway, the program that I'm watching is very, it's not produced in Hollywood. So it doesn't have all that hypocrisy going on about it. And the Pharisees, it shows, it shows to light what they are. Jesus pointed it out in the scriptures many times. And they were such hypocrites when they go into church and they're traipsing and, and he was pointing out the different prayers and how they were praying and bobbing and weaving and making a big old to-do about it. And, oh, thank you, Lord, for making me unlike this man over here who is such a, he smells, he stinks, he doesn't dress right, he doesn't even, he doesn't even do a good job, but thank you, Lord, that I'm not like him. Really? Whew. Such hypocrisy. And that they were, that's what they were about. And Jesus even tried to point out the scriptures, but however, their issue was that he didn't have letters to make scholarly introduction of Jesus. So they, of course, had those letters from the schooling and things that they did and the linguistics that they had studied. So they had to be smarter than Jesus, and Jesus had to be a liar. He had to be a blasphemer. He isn't anything he's claiming to be, except that Jesus spoke truth and nothing but the truth from Lord God Almighty, from Hakim. They didn't get that. And just like he tried to point out, he said, if you had read the books of the prophets as you claim to do, but obviously you don't know the scriptures as well as you claim you do, because if you did, you would know who I am and you know that what I speak is true. But of course you don't understand what I'm speaking or you don't understand how I speak because you don't speak my language. You speak your father's language and your father's language is that of lies and your father is the devil. That was a pretty potent thing to say, but they were the leaders of the temple and the synagogue supposed to be caring for the people. And yet, as it was on the road to Damascus, they walked around that man who was left to die. Didn't die. But the priests walked around him and even crossed the road so he wouldn't have to be near him because, oh, if I... If I put my hands on him to help him, no, that's going to make me unclean. They were so worried about everything that was outside, but they weren't worried about what was going inside. This is what the Bible tells us. God is a respecter of no man or woman. He doesn't care about the tone of your skin. He doesn't care about anything that you have or you don't have. He doesn't care. He didn't even care if you bathe. He would prefer you do. As others around you would probably. 
But that doesn't matter. What matters is the character of your heart. Is the character of your heart that of compassion and kindness and goodness and following the word of God, following his truth? Or is it all about what you have or what you don't have and what you have to get more of that you don't need, but you want to have it? Because it's a position to have other people look at you. And this is what he tried to point out when that the priest was in the in the synagogue and bobbing and weaving up and down and, and praying. And I shared with you that when they go to put their offering in the in the offering box, the offering box has this great big of course millennials are not gonna have any idea what I'm talking about unless you look it up. Victorola or the, the old time phonographs, they had that big trumpet that would come up and when you put the needle on the record, it was attached to this thing on the bottom. So as it spun around, it would pick up the, the music off the tracks and then it would come out that trumpet. And they did that on their offering box. So when they went in and they put their coins in the box, it would make a, a loud rattling noise. And everybody knew that the priests were putting money in the coffer or that the leaders were putting money in there. So everybody can look and, and they could hear the coin. They could almost count what they were putting in. And then the woman came in and put everything she had. Everything she had was a simple coin. But that's what she had. But she loved God. And she said, I got to do this. The only thing God asks us to do is to believe that Jesus came for our sake, to have faith in him, to follow the, the teaching of the Holy Spirit. And he asked, he asked for 10%, the first 10% of what we have. Figure it out. It's not hard math. If you have a dollar, you give God 10 cents. If you make $10 a day, you give God a dollar a day. If you make $1,200 in a month, you give God $120 before you start going and paying everything else off. When you follow suit like that and you offer it up to God and you give it to God for his use, for his design, for his purpose, and it goes to his purpose... And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, <laughs> it works out really well. It does. And God gives things that you don't think are there. He also gives you things that are comforting and, and to you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. God is a good, good father. He loves us and he gives to his children. Who am I to be loved by you? I am. By virtue of the fact that I know that Jesus, that I know that Jesus, that I know that Jesus Christ is the only begotten son of God and that he came for me. And I know 
that Abba Yahweh is the maker of all things made and the faith that I have in him that I have seen empirical evidence and I know the infallible truths that I find in the word of God. There is no contradiction in there as these perverts twist and malign things and, and lie to make themselves something that they're not. And their arrogant pride is going to take them crashing down. However, I pray for them. I pray for their repentance. But like many did in the days of Noah, they will not repent. Because they think that their position and their authority is far greater than anything else. But they will find out. But I pray for them. Just like many of these politicians that are up here lying and hurting people's so many times and so often and continually do, but I pray for them. They have an opportunity to repent. They have an opportunity that I must be about my father's business and share to them that they would have an opportunity to choose to believe that Jesus Christ came for them as well and that they can choose to be, and here's, here's the kicker on what I'm about to, what I've been sharing with you. Who am I? Who am I? I am a true believer. I know Jesus Christ. I know God. And I know that the Holy Spirit comes and talks with me. And I know these things are here and real. It isn't just that somebody tells me and then I, I agree with them. It isn't the cheetah and the leopard. I know that there's a difference between hearsay. I know that I am an heir and a joint heir in the kingdom of heaven and his domain because the word of God tells me so and God tells me that that's who I am. Who am I to be loved by him with all my scars and my brokenness and, and my bruises battered around from this chips and falls that I made? I am his son. I am his creation and he has made me an adopted son in the kingdom of heaven, I am an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, who stepped off the throne, set his crown down, and came to this plane of existence for me. He died for me. That's who I am. And any of you out there that take the opportunity to say, yes, God, I believe that Jesus came for me. I take him into my heart. I take that as my salvation. And yes, Father, God in heaven, I will have faith in you and I will follow the Holy Spirit's guidance. I will find a home church. I will get baptized. I will believe in you, Father. I will believe and follow your guidebook, your roadmap, your instructions. Because you are Lord God Almighty. That's who I am and that's who you will be. A true believer and a true Christian, not a label head or self-proclaimed, but you are a true believer. That's who you are. You are redeemed by the blood of the lamb. By his stripes are you healed. And promises of God that you are an heir and a joint heir within the kingdom of heaven. And that all things will be made new. So when I get to heaven, I'm not going to be, who knows how old I'm going to be. God has blessed me so mightily. 
but believing in all that junk that the devil was pouring into my head, I was going to take my own life. I was going to drive that 18-wheeler right off that bridge. It would have been an easy task for me to do. But the Holy Spirit, my Father God, had other plans for my life. And he brought me into forgiveness. He brought me into this walk with him. Doesn't mean everything is perfect. Doesn't mean that everything is great. This is a broken world. It's still living in a broken place. But I'm on a work visa. I have a contract that I signed with him. I'm about my father's business and he forgave me. And there are those that, that were with me when I was what I was. They forgive me. And there's some people that are unfortunately buried themselves in that past and are holding on to it so tightly. But that's okay. Because as I'm told to do and I will do from now until I don't breathe anymore, I pray for them. I pray for all these individuals, even those perverts that get up on stage and lie to the people. I don't pray that they be blessed in life because that's asking God to bless liars and deceivers and thieves and those that purposely teach against. I pray for the repentance and that they would in turn turn themselves over to God but you don't bless people like that. Be cautious in things that you say and do. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't take his blessings and toss them about lightly. Believe the promised word of God. because it's truth. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers. Am I going out? Am I coming in? That I tell you, because that is truth. Be blessed and have a good day.